Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. Today, we explore the energy of the economy. Any and every action and interaction in life requires the procurement and expenditure of energy. We'll look at a historical example of that in the life of Joseph, and then we'll turn our attention to the role of energy in your life and our modern economy today on The Whole Steward. Thank you for joining episode number 13. I'm humbled that you're listening. If you want to get in contact with me, remember letters at thewholesteward.com. You can send me your questions, comments, concerns. I'll try to answer them on the air. If they are appropriate for everyone, I would love to do that. Please reach out to me. Remember now that energy is required for every action and interaction that we have in life. So it's a vital aspect of our stewardship. It's one of the things that we are stewards over. We manage the energy that we have access to. It's part of the creation order. It's what God has made. He's made matter and energy, and we use those things to interact with one another, to live out our lives, and to glorify God. Now, there is a great example in the Old Testament of the use of energy and the procurement of it and how vital it was to the life of those involved. And that story is Joseph. So what I wanted to do is start with the story of Joseph and go through it rather quickly. I wish we could take more time. But I want to draw out the important aspects of the stewardship of energy. And as we go through, think about how energy is required to move your body. The food that you eat is a processing of energy. It gives you energy to move your body around and to do things in life. Then you also need other forms of energy in our modern economy to participate in the economic activity that we usually do on a daily basis. In fact, I'm using energy right now to produce this podcast. Think about when you go to work. You eat food that gives your body energy and then you walk out to your car and you get in your car, you start your car, now you're using energy probably in the form of gasoline or some other form if you're driving an electric vehicle. That use of energy allows you to drive to your work and produce new product or new services. This is a vital aspect of our economy. Throughout all of history, it's been the same. Look at the life of Joseph. I'm going to go through very quick in Genesis... Chapter 39, remember the context here is that Joseph had some dreams that his brothers didn't like, and his brothers sold him into slavery to Egypt. His father was very devastated about it. His father loved Joseph. Now he finds himself working as a slave for Potiphar, a high-up official. Verse 2 of chapter 39 in Genesis says, The Lord was with Joseph 
and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. So here you see Joseph being a very good and successful steward of the resources that God had put under his charge by means of Potiphar putting his entire household under Joseph's charge. You know the story. Potiphar's wife became a problem and tried to seduce Joseph. Joseph, being a man of integrity, avoided that by running away and she framed him. He was then convicted and put into prison. What's interesting about Joseph is that when he was in prison, he again was being a good steward. Whatever God gives you, you do a good job with it. When he was in prison, the guards ended up putting Joseph in charge of everything because he was such a man of integrity. Verse 22 of chapter 39 says, Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So here again, you see Joseph being a good steward. Skipping through the story a little bit, you see Joseph interprets the dreams of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is dreaming about the famine that is coming to Egypt. And Joseph interprets those dreams for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh then is so impressed, he puts Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. In chapter 41, Joseph interprets the dreams about the famine. And then he proposes to Pharaoh what the solution is, what God wants as the solution. There's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. In verse 41 of chapter 41, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Skipping down to verse 47, During the seven plentiful years the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food for these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. This story is absolutely riveting. As I was preparing for the podcast, I read through the entire thing, and I highly encourage you, spend the time to go through this on your own, because there are so many aspects of the faith that Joseph had in God and how God blessed him and guided him through this whole thing. You see that come out 
in verse 50. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Aseneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For, he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. So here we see a situation where, as we said, access to energy is vital for life. And the food in those days was the energy. It was the energy for the people to take food and do their work. It was the energy for the animals, which were the equivalent of their transportation and their tractors, right? They use them in plowing. They use them in working the farms. And what we see here is a famine, a severe famine that came to the land. So now there's a lack of food. There's a lack of energy. As we know, that's vital to life. It's vital for everything that we do in our lives. And so certainly the people were concerned and they came to Joseph who had stored up, put on reserve, if you will, a massive amount of food, a massive amount of energy, useful energy. So what happens now is that Joseph's brothers decide to go to Egypt. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us, that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob, he didn't go down. In verse 6 of chapter 42, Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. Keep in mind, he's selling the grain. He's not just giving it away. And Joseph's brothers came to buy food. They brought money to come and buy food, to buy grain. It was grain not only for themselves, but also for their animals as well. And of course, this story is absolutely riveting the way that Joseph interacts with his brothers. He's not speaking to them in their own language. They don't know that it's Joseph. Um, I wish I had the time to spend in there, but I want to just draw out that Joseph's brothers have come down to buy energy, basically, from Egypt. So Joseph really is kind of messing with his brothers here. Uh, he says in verse 18 of chapter 42, 
On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live. For I fear God, if you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households. And bring your youngest brother to me. So now he's asking for Benjamin to be brought, which is really going to be hard for them. Jacob did not want to lose Benjamin because he had already lost Joseph. Uh, Not only that, when he loaded their sacks with grain and sent them on their way, he put their money bags back into their sacks, into the grain sacks. In verse 26 of 42, Then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of his sack. He said, My money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. At this their hearts failed them, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? See, Joseph, it's kind of like he's framing them as having stole the money, but he's also very riveted in his heart that his brothers are coming to him, bowing down before him, desperately needing help and needing access to food and and energy. The fodder that they're talking about here is for their donkeys. It's their transportation to and from Egypt. It's where they're buying their food from. I just have to say, I highly encourage you, read the entire story of Joseph, start to finish, in Genesis. It's absolutely riveting. It brought me to tears as I was preparing for this podcast. I don't have time to touch on all of the the aspects of it, but you can see Jacob's family needing energy and buying it from, from Joseph, and the spiritual implications here are tremendous. When they get home, for example, verse 35, as they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. This evil act that they had done against Joseph is now coming full circle to them. And they are really starting to suffer spiritually, saying, what has God done to us you know, because of what's happening to them? there, it's Andrew. I pour a lot into The Whole Steward, and I'm so humbled you're listening. Did you know I regularly post new articles to our website? I also send the Holistic Approach to Wealth newsletter once a week, to which you can subscribe at thewholesteward.com newsletter. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the show, would you share it with a friend or leave us a review? I'd really appreciate it. Oh, and thanks for listening. They tried not to return to Egypt because Joseph had said, bring Benjamin back, and Jacob really did not want them to do that. And the brothers were trying to convince him, hey, you know, we'll take care of him. But it just wasn't setting well with Jacob. Eventually, though, they are forced to. They're running out of food again. And Jacob says to them in chapter 43, Verse 2, go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, the man solemnly warned us, saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. 
if you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. So again, this strong need to purchase food from Egypt is arising and they're saying, we'll go down if you let us take Benjamin because that's what the man, who is Joseph, that's what he's asking for. Eventually, Judah convinces his dad to let him take Benjamin. Their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down to the man, a little balm and a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise. Go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. So he is very desperate now at this point, And he's saying, go, bring Benjamin, bring back the money. He's being honest. Bring back the money that you were supposed to have paid for the grain with. Bring additional money. Also bring some of the goods of the earth. So the men took the present and they took double the money with them and Benjamin. They arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. Now in verse 16, when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. So he sets up a dinner for them. They were very afraid. The tension is just incredible. It is because of the money which was placed in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us and make us servants and seize our donkeys. They're really worried, but really he's just bringing them in to have dinner. Um, So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it again with us and we have brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put the money in our sacks. So here they are being honest now. They're going to the steward of the house and saying, Hey, look, here's the situation. We paid for the the grain last time. Uh, Somebody put the money back in our sacks. We brought it back to you, and we brought additional money to buy more food. So all is fair and square. We're trying to be that way. It's It's just riveting. But I have to skip ahead for the sake of time. Ultimately, Joseph tests his brothers. He gives them grain. He sends them away. He sets them up. They have to return. They get caught purposefully. They have to return, and uh, he really beats them up over it verbally, all through a translator still. And they're they're really kind of you know starting to get the spiritual lesson. You see here in verse sixteen, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we? clear ourselves. God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. So now he's taking Benjamin only and saying, I'm only going to keep Benjamin, and he's going to get justice. 
the brothers are really, really in a tight spot now. They're basically saying, hey, look, you know, here's the whole story. We can't take Benjamin. And, you know, Joseph is getting an insight into the, the tension in his family now. And it's, it's absolutely riveting to him. He goes back into his chamber and weeps multiple times. Uh, and then he composes himself and comes back out. Judah steps up and explains the entire situation and says, we cannot go back to our father without Benjamin. It'll send him to his grave. Uh, you know, and he, he offers himself. He says, take me instead. We cannot have this happen. And eventually Joseph, he can't take it any longer and he reveals himself to them. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. So after this entire ordeal, the report that Joseph's brothers had come to Egypt came to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat of the fat of the land. The provision for Joseph's family is incredible. This is the provision for Israel. Joseph did as Pharaoh commanded. He gave them provisions. To his father he sent as follows, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt and ten male donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey. And he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. Hmm, you think that conversation amongst the brothers might have been a little contentious on the way. And uh, he told them, Don't quarrel on the way. Just go and, and get our father and bring him down to Egypt. As you might imagine, the traveling to and from Egypt required food, the living required food, and the spiritual implications of how they went about gaining this provision. After Joseph's family came down to Egypt, uh, the, the famine continued to be severe, and Joseph basically set up to acquire all the land of Egypt through this entire thing. In chapter 47, verse 13, now there was no food in the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, "'Give us food!' 
Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. And Joseph answered, Give your livestock, and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock, if your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds, and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. And when that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, We will not hide from my lord. Our money is all spent. The herds of the livestock are my lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my lord but our bodies and our land. Why then should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, and we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For all the Egyptians sold their fields, because the famine was so severe on them, the land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he made servants of them from one end of Egypt to another. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at the harvests you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field, and as food for yourselves and your households, and as food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. May it please my Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh. So Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh should have a fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. Joseph basically bought all of Egypt with the grain that he had stored up, that he had commissioned to be stored up in the storehouses of Pharaoh. So that's the story of Joseph. Uh, you can see the necessity of energy in, and the, the, the vital nature that it was to the economic and life activities of Israel, God's chosen people, and the land of Egypt and how they bought and sold that food back then. That was the primary source of energy that they had for their lives. And you can see the spiritual implications wrapped all through the story. Joseph was a very good steward. He was a, a man of God, and he feared God. And you can see the spiritual implications of Joseph's stewardship coming out, even in his forgiveness towards his brothers. Uh, in, in chapter 50, when his father died, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, in verse 15, said... It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. 
But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Imagine how amazing of a man Joseph was before his Lord in stewardship to have risen to the position that he was because of his integrity and his relationship with God to be able to have a response of forgiveness like that to his brothers. Well, this has been very difficult for me because there's no possible way to do justice to this story in 30 minutes. I wanted to draw out the use of energy throughout the story of Joseph and how he was a steward of what he had been given by God, how God guided him through each step of the way and used Joseph to preserve Israel and his family throughout the famine. You can see the driving forces behind the purchase and use of the food, which was their primary source of energy back then. Since I'm out of time now, I want to dive in next week to the procurement and use of energy in our modern economy. The story of Joseph can help us gain an appreciation for the care that God gives for our stewardship of the energy supply, which back then the primary source was food, as we've said. And today, there should be no less concern and care for the procurement and use and stewardship of the energy in our economy. It is the fuel that drives the economy. Without it, there is no life. There is no economy. Every action and interaction we have uses energy in one form or another. And let me just leave you with this proverb. Proverbs 21.20 Precious treasure and oil are in the wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Wise men and women will manage, store up, and use the food and the energy, the resources that God has given us to his glory every day. You can see Joseph certainly did that. He preserved many people alive through it. And we have considerations today in our modern economy to manage and use the energy that God's given us to his glory. I think we can learn a lot. So join me again as we continue our discussion of the energy of the economy next week on The Whole Steward. Now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions. Thanks for joining us today for the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. This show is brought to you by thewholesteward.com.